0: Welcome to episode 32 of Pennies in the Well. You're the next contestant on the prices. Nope, wait, that's not it. Welcome to episode 32 of Little House on the. Nope, wait, that's not it either. Uh, it was 32 of Pennies in the Well. And oh, I'm your host. I'm your host, Saturn, and I have lost my mind. Uh, If you find it, uh, email me at pennysinthewell at gmail.com. Let me know its location, maybe a few GPS coordinates. That would be really helpful. Totally would appreciate it. And uh, if you feel like doing it as um, one of those, uh, there's a game, there's an iPhone app game, And geocaching, yes, if you want to geocache my brain and have it travel the world for me, that would be totally fucking awesome. So this is episode 32. It is January 31st of 2012. I have survived the month of January. I'm not sure how. I will get back to that. I hope that so far 2012 is treating all of you wonderfully. It has certainly been a reversal from 2011, and I'm profoundly grateful for that because 2011 pretty much sucked. Hairy, smelly ass. Yes, that's what I said. I meant it. There were upsides to it, but when your overall average impression is suck, it kind of you know leaves a bad taste in the mouth. That's all I'm saying. So, welcome to episode thirty-two of which we have some announcement announcementy kind of stuff. There is a main segment that will be on Good Talk, Bad Talk, and if we have a concluding segment at all, I have absolutely no idea what it will be because this episode is brought to you by a simple desire to actually get out an episode rather than coherent thought and planning. Coherent thought and planning, that is for other people, people who actually, you know, haven't lost their mind and sent it traveling to, oh, wait, was that a left at Albuquerque? Shit, I knew I went wrong somewhere. So, uh, for the announcements, as you heard on the previous episode, Pagan Podkin Supermoot, number, uh, three, tres, uh, drei, uh, sans, um, I think that's about all the number threes I, own de toi. yeah, there we go. Now we've covered all languages in which I know the number three. So, it is coming up. It will be uh, very early in October, like the first weekend or something, in San Francisco. And the official website is PaganPodkin.com. PaganPodkin.com. Check it out. See some pictures in the previous years. Think about coming out and saying hi, seeing the San Francisco sites. And maybe get tattooed with the Canadians, because I don't know about Mojo and Sparrow, but my friend Holly and I, we're talking We're talking about getting another tattoo. That's right. Because us wacky Canadians apparently like to do that while traveling in foreign cities. Well, foreign cities with really great hygiene. It's a quirk. Getting a tattoo, want it to be, you know, safe and hygienic. Announcement numero dos, and we will not go through the whole number game again, is that uh, way back when, like a year ago, and I cannot believe it's been like two years of podcasting for me. Shh, don't tell anybody. But, uh, you may recall there was a call-out for submissions to misanthrope press for their pagan anthology entitled Etched Offerings, Voices from the Story of Cauldron, or stories from the voices of Cauldron, or anyhow, it's called Etched Offerings. Let's just go with that. And I just want to let you know that the book is out. It is available as an ebook or as a print book, and you can get it from misanthropepress.com. In that amazing book, we have the cover art by Chris Oropello of The Infinite and the Beyond, an introduction by S.J. Tucker, whose music you have heard more than once on the show because she so entertains me, and If you're curious and have heard me reference it before, yes, the Cheshire Cat song, as I like to call it, is still my theme song. That would be the one of, if I leave my grim behind, remind me that we're all mad here and it's okay. Yeah, love that song. So, uh, she did the introduction and in the book, there are stories by Corey from New World Witchery, Araya from... (laughs) <laughs> between the earth and stars sorry my mind blank because uh Araya from media astroctera and, and the name is changed and that was uh apparently the full limit of my brain you witnessed it right there what little is actually left in my head and isn't actually traveling past albuquerque and into the far blue yonder uh, apparently that the change of name from latin to english um, that was it Killed me. So she has a story in there. Now hers is a little trickier to figure out who, but she, if you follow her, um, has given sufficient hints that you can figure out who it is. And yours truly, no ho ho ho, has a story in there, uh, of course, with, um, well, you know, a little dark, a little death, you know, I, I kind of like that stuff. So my story has certainly that kind of aspect to it. And I write under the name Samantha Hearn. So if you want to go looking, that's where you will find me, and I'm not sure if I ever actually mentioned, but I have a pet snake now, his name is Nexus, and as I mention him, as I'm talking, he's like, fuck you, you you spooking me, lady, you're a crazy lady, so he backed up a little bit. He's um, <clears throat> going to be white one day, but he's still kind of in the pinkish zone, and we don't need to talk about that any further. On the topic of etched offerings, I have from the publisher a copy of the book. Yes, a nice hard physical copy that I will be giving away. Um, My problem is I haven't actually fully figured out the rules of this particular contest. So it's going to remain open for probably two to three months because, you know, first I actually have to confirm what the rules are. And, um, then you know actually give you time to do it and then draw but i will tell you at least one thing that will get you in the draw and it's very simple and it's very easy and it would be very marvelous on the soon to be second anniversary i'm not even sure when it actually is of pennies in the well and that is if you go to itunes and you leave a review on the podcast uh, so basically go to iTunes, either, you know, review me in words or stick on some stars. Um, hate me, love me, I don't care which, but so far no one's commented at all and I feel lost and alone and drifting in the void that is the space between my ears because there's no brain inside and leave a, so, so give me a rating. Leave me a comment and send an email to penniesinthewell at gmail.com and simply doing that will get you entered into the draw. I will probably do something else um, potentially around the stories themselves or misanthrope press, but that will absolutely guarantee you a spot in the draw for this very, honestly, very cool anthology. Um, i have enjoyed what I've read so far. Not that I'm reading the copy that I'm giving out. I have a different copy that I'm reading because I would not soil your copy with my, you know, grubby hands. Not that they're that grubby, but there we are. So that is announcement number two. Announcement number three has absolutely nothing to do with you and absolutely nothing to do with the podcast aside from, uh, (laughs) well, driving the insanity of aforementioned host who has lost any connection with that Thing she just mentioned, reality whatsoever. Uh, at work, the crazy bastards decided to give me a promotion. That's right. Sick, foolish bastards. And what this means, uh, on one hand, is that I'm now supervising uh, directly and through them indirectly about a dozen staff. Um, so I went from supervising one person to about a dozen. And let's just say that complicates matters just a little bit. Plus, you know, uh, some other aspects to the job. And all this is happening during my busiest season of my normal job. And I haven't even made a job description yet to hire the part time person who's going to make it so that I don't go for insane in the next couple of months um, so if i seem a tad more um on edge or i take a little bit longer than usual even though i have absolutely no usual time frame whatsoever for putting out podcasts and that's why because insanity has left the building and some days push me over the edge and some days are actually really good today this week has been a pushed over the edge kind of week That's right, insanity, it's my word of the day, apparently. It's been a rough week, and uh, yes, I'm still actually also going through that whole depression thing, and I'm still on my antidepressants, and you combine that with a whole lot of work stress, and you have some really interesting good days and some really interesting bad days. So that is announcement number three and that takes care of all said announcements and uh, we are going to move into the first break where we will listen to something by SJ Tucker because how could we not given that she did the intro to Etched Offerings. So I hope that you've had a most marvelous 2012 so far or whatever year it is that you happen to be listening to this in and I will see you on the other side of the
1: break. <laughs> there's an alligator in the house a toothy grin appears beneath my chair a scaly tail goes sliding out of sight now it's gone was it ever there something odd has moved into the house reptilian tracks lead underneath the bed And all the cats are tasty, fat and scared But I don't think we've lost any yet So what's that? Just caught her napping in the living room She was dozing on the velvet couch And the cats were sleeping there too There's an alligator in the house No one seems to mind except for me Well, at least she doesn't eat the cats I suspect she'd rather eat me There's an alligator in the pit She is dancing wildly with the snakes To win them over to her cause She will do whatever it takes They think I don't see their little smiles As they plan reptilian overthrow But I hear them talking in my dreams They will not be sad to see me go So what's that? A master of disguise. Just a pillow waiting for my head. Soft and sweet and hungrily she lies. There's an alligator in the house. Today she joined me for a spot of tea. She helped herself to raspberries and cream. And she did I had seen it all, but this alligator proved me wrong, like a lady as she sipped her teeth, she sang to me this little song, song. But I never noticed until now. And now
0: it's time for good talk, bad talk. And welcome back to episode 32 of Pennies in the Well with the psychotic, deranged, and completely unstoppable Saturn Dark Hope. That was Alligators in the House with SJ Tuck. Oh, actually, technically, that was Tricky Pixie. And we are now going to do the main segment of the show. Uh, Good talk, bad talk, as introed and as mentioned. But still, I have yet to tell you what the actual topic is about. I want to talk about communication Not a big surprise given it's a good talk, bad talk kind of situation, but I want to talk about the communication that happens more in group scenarios and the shit that happens. And this is in reference to, sadly, multiple shit shit uh, that I have witnessed both over the years and recently and if you think I'm talking about you it's possible that I am it's also possible that I'm not because sadly there are multiple examples I'm expecting that none of the people actually listening to the show are actually in my head as said examples but I've been wrong before Regardless, if you do think that I am talking about you, perhaps it is time that you stop and think about the things that you are doing and whether or not they are the best, the most appropriate, the most healthy way to approach your communications. So, with that really demented and psychotic intro, let us talk about the shit that happens with gossip, with negative talk, and how the good shit never works its way back. But first, we have a quote. Why? Because it was on somebody's Facebook today, and it just seemed apropos to the situation. And the quote is from Thomas Jefferson, and says when right, I shall often be thought wrong by those whose positions will not command a view of the whole ground. So, that was, when right, I shall often be thought wrong by those whose positions will not command a view of the whole ground. So, what often happens is that we end up with a situation with multiple people, usually larger groups of people. It's usually (laughs) For me, anyways, this is usually more of an issue with said larger groups as opposed to the small groups. And somebody hears something, whether from another person, or they read something, or they encounter something. Anyway, something happens, they hear something, they see something, and they go, oh, my holy fucking gods. Can you believe that that shit has happened? Oh, my fucking gods. And they go and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. And then before you know it, you're in a Calgon commercial. And everybody knows about the unbelievable, the horrible, the nasty, the absolute gall of whoever it was, whatever it was, that started the particular train of conversation in the first place. Ah, <sighs> The reason that the quote comes into play is because not all the time but a certain amount of the time the person who happened to hear to see or to experience something that triggered in them any negative reaction first so my first issue is that people often react to something when they don't have all the facts they don't know the full situation they do not see everything that is going on they don't know the people that are involved i have a story going back a very long time it's been like you know almost freaking 20 years, it's okay, it's not 20 years, it's more like 15 years, but still, 15 years ago story I think is pretty fair game for talking about on the podcast. And the story goes something like, I'm at an SCA event, at Society for Creative Anachronism, and so we're pretending to live in medieval times, but with much better hygiene. And I am a <clears> tad <throat> inebriated. And so I've crawled into the tent to kind of die for the evening. And now, for those who know the story of Jesus' brother, um, that was not this particular night. It was that particular trip, but the Jesus' brother happened at a uh, different night than the one in question. So I'm in my tent. I don't remember if I was changing or if I'd crashed out for the night. Regardless, somebody else wanders through. And uh, one of my campmates, and there was shit going on. There was some serious, nasty shit going on, and somebody else had come by and offered her, you know, a couple shots of 18-year-old whiskey. Well, wow. <laughs> for those who drink whiskey, uh, I'm sure you're already going, hell yeah, go for it, drink the whiskey. When somebody offers you some 18-year-old, you take it. So she wanders through, um, and it should be noted that she had a boyfriend at the time, and she comes wandering through the campsite going, I am going to go get me some 18 year old. I need 18 year old. This is going to be fabulous. I can hardly fucking wait. Perfectly understandable, all things considered. Next thing I hear, because I'm still in my tent and haven't moved a whole heck of a lot, if I recall correctly. um, I hear a couple girls talking about how absolutely inappropriate and horrid said girl was, how could she do that to her boyfriend, didn't even tell him, just gonna go run off with some 18 year old kid, and you know, blah 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 blah, how horrible is this first girl because she's hanging out with an 18 year old, when she has a man already, who's really sweet and nice, and how could she do it to him? Well, clearly they missed the memo that it was whiskey, uh, not a guy, Um, and that the reason she was quite so enamored of the concept besides the fact that it was whiskey was because she was having a really crappy night and she'd finally found something that was going to make her night better yeah so this is an example of the shit that happens people hear something they hear it out of context they see it out of context they experience it Kind of out of context, or not out of context, but without the full understanding of what's going on. They get an impression, and this is fucking human nature. This is what we do. We go, oh my God, shit going on, I can't believe it, must share with other people. And we do. I'm not trying to change human nature here, (laughs) oh dear God. No, no, we are who we are, and you know I am not immune from gossip. In fact, I'd love to know what's going on. I admit it. I'm very private about it um, and and very circumspect and very careful about what I say and who I say it to for the most part. Um, But do not think that I am, you know, some paragon of virtue. (laughs) No. I have my my bad moments, um, particularly when it comes to what is essentially gossip. Like I said, I like to know what's going on. And I get that little thrill, just like my sister does, just like my mother does, just like some other people I know do, of, oh my God, can you believe what so-and-so said or did or whatever? And I like to pretend that I know everything about it. And so I'm fully justified in my opinion. However, I also recognize that there's a really decent chance that I don't know everything that's going on. So, my way of kind of uh, allowing for that is one, always being open to questioning, and two, I tend to keep such things very private. I don't go spreading it around to a whole lot of people. Uh, and when I do share things, I share them with an expectation that they don't travel particularly farther. In other words, I'm not trying to stir up shit. Um, to cause problems, because that is stage two of the situation. Stage one, somebody, you know, hears experiences, sees something that triggers in them a negative emotional response, usually in the self-righteous kind of category of, oh my God, can you believe this? Or in the gossip category of, oh my God, can you believe this? And then stage two is we must now share it with many, many people. And this is where it becomes... (laughs) <laughs> Each stage kind of uh, escalates the situation. So this becomes a problem because, of course, the more people you tell, the more that the information goes around. And before you know it, um, that negative thing has spread everywhere. And it can spread seriously that uh, you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. Calgon commercial thing. At least I think it was Calgon. Um, it's true. And it happens and it happens very quickly. And it is insidious when people do this, when there is that wildfire sharing of oh dear god gossip, it is so insidious, it latches on, it lingers in our heads, it colors everything that we perceive about a person or a situation, and frequently not to the betterment of anybody. Once again, I am not promoting to be paragons of virtue, I don't even try. I just try and behave in such a way that I do not cause additional damage to any particular situation if I can have it. And that is what today's topic is about, is really evaluating uh, where you stand, how you feel about this type of situation and what you would do in it. So, Stage 2 has happened, people have gone around and they have talked and then they've talked to some more, and I had a boss at one point who was like, you know what, you got an issue, absolutely, we all need people to talk to so, you know, go have your vent buddy kind of thing, well, that's my term, vent buddy at work, if you start venting with a second person, well, okay, there there might be purpose to that, there might be reason, if you're venting with, you know, more than two people, particularly in a closed environment such as work or pagan community, um, it's time to start going, okay, what is my big issue here, especially at work, um, but not exclusively, it's time to really think about what's going on and see if you can actually change the situation rather than just bitch about it because, you know, you know what? It is stupidly easy to bitch about situations stupidly easy trying to fix that shit trying to fix it when uh you don't get any support to when people don't agree who don't understand because again there's the if you could see everything that the person trying to fix it can see you might have a different viewpoint uh and we do not give a lot of room to our leaders assuming we give any room to our leaders whatsoever to actually do things we want to have full understanding we want to have full involvement but we don't necessarily want to do the work Oh, apparently it's going to be a rant episode. I probably should have given warning to that. Oh, well, too late. So, uh, yeah, people spread the information. They spread it far, they spread it fast, and we spread it in a really negative fashion. And we are very, very good at it. Stage three, the discovery often. It doesn't always happen, but the optional stage three is the person who kind of started all of the talk, learns some of the true situation or the fullness of the situation and goes, oh, oh, okay. Like the girl in my example could have found out that, oh, by the way, that wasn't a boy. It was whiskey. Um, and would then have gone, oh, okay. Then what I was assuming was very wrong. And I'm so sorry. You know, didn't didn't mean to make you sound like a you know whoring bitch. You know that was just my misunderstanding. Stage three, you know, is on the surface a good stage. Understanding is a good thing. My problem with it, and this is where. I invite anyone who knows what I'm talking about has experienced it as going to experience it in the future. Really think about stage three. If you are one of the people who have gotten involved in something like this, stage three is once you have that additional information, once you, if you are ever in that position of going, Oh, it's different than what I thought. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to do what most people do, which is either nothing or apologize to the initial person who, you know, got slammed by all the essentially slander. Is it slander if it's slander print anyway, you know what I mean? So the person who got hurt by all the talking or so, so there's the do nothing option, the apologize option. And these probably take up in my worldview, at least 95% of the results that happen. 5% or in my current cynical view, far less than 5% of the time, the person actually goes back and attempts to rectify in the greater community, the shit that they disturbed. So that's going out and going, Hey, by the way, people, my bad, my mistake, I was wrong situation, not what we thought, you know change your view back again, if you can, before I went and fucked everything up because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Did I mention this was a rant episode? And once again, I am not immune from this. I have done my fair share of problem causing. I like to think that I've also attempted, I don't know that I've succeeded, but I have absolutely attempted, um, to fix it afterwards with that recognition that, that, you know, I've caused a negative situation by spreading things that, you know, I either shouldn't have, or, well, maybe I should have given what I had understood at the time, but was wrong about and need to go and correct it. And this is the one I really don't think a lot of people do, because I watch this shit, I see it, I see it happen. And you know, the people who take the high road, who are in the right, but they don't pass it along. They don't, you know, shove it down people's throats that, oh, by the way, you don't know what's going on. I'm right. They're wrong. Usually those are the people who aren't saying anything and they're the ones getting slammed for doing the right shit. I'm the person who doesn't know everything. who just wants to rant and rave and go out and be superior does so, discovers that they were wrong, and then apologizes to the initial person, but you know what? If you don't correct the action in the greater community, then that person has, <laughs> their reputation or their person is scarred potentially for life. Because the negative spreads like wildfire, and the positive trickles out, maybe. I think that's the basic human nature thing that um, if you were all sunshine and light, well, then you may not have survived as well as somebody who was more pessimistic and always looking for the worst in things. If we didn't react to the worst in things, well, okay, imagine if you will, a gunfighter side by side with a hippie and the hippie in the extreme sense of I see everything in sunshine and rainbows, and the, you know, fighter dude or hunter whatever the heck I said he was i'm uh, going okay there's shit out there that can kill me i want to kill it first so something negative happens and they're going to react according to their natures and who's more likely to survive the person who goes oh sunshine and rainbows and oh the rainbow's going to stab me in the heart or the person who goes Fuck, that shit could kill me and shoots it first. So I think we are potentially, I don't know this, this is me rambling, genetically disposed to react strongly to the negative, to perpetuate it, to protect ourselves and our community. But the fact is that we are not living in the jungle anymore, at least most of us. We are not in a survival situation for the most part. We have choices, we have options, we are not we're not living, you know, 20,000 years ago. We are living by culture. We are living by consciousness. And if we're going to live by our fucking consciousness, not conscience, but consciousness, then we need to get off our collective asses and actually act like it. So I'm not saying be perfect. I'm not saying that don't go out and gossip, share the negative shit about people that is driving you fucking nuts. I'm not saying that because that is, you know, a fact of life and fact of nature. I am not a goody two shoes person. I am not a love and light everywhere for everybody person. Good gods. No. On the flip side, I do believe in taking responsibility for what we send out and cause in the world around us. And If you're going to cause negative shit to pass around and to make someone's life hell and then you discover that, oh, by the way, uh, you were wrong and that person, you know, got slandered or libel or whichever one it is by your actions, then doesn't it behoove us? Isn't it the right thing to do to do what we can to pass along some change of information? Uh, Further complicated by a lot of times the information that gives the illumination is private and that can make it really hard of going you know what there's a reason that this is going on and I can't tell you it because it's a privacy issue so when faced with that I still think we can go look there's other things going on but I can't talk to you about it but in my opinion you know my opinion personally has changed about this and you know I really regret what I said about said person let's be big enough people to do that let's be gracious enough in our living, let us be beautiful in our expressions of ourselves and not get trapped into the easy emotional high of passing along the negative and being ever so virtuous and righteous. And when it comes down to the moment of actually behaving in a virtuous way, that we fail and go and take the easy way out of saying nothing or a simple apology to one person, irrespective of how their life has now been altered. So and hopefully, well, you know what, if you took that as a personal slam, um, well, I probably didn't mean it that way because I was talking generally and I have actually no one particular in my head at this particular time or through any of this episode, really. So if you took it as a personal slam, maybe it's time to look out what choices you're making. Yeah, I'm getting tough in 2012. I'm turning into megalomaniac, evil bitch queen from hell. Or I'm just really tired and somewhat frustrated and wishing that I didn't see people getting hurt on a regular basis. And periodically going, God, I walked myself right into that particular issue myself, and now I have to go fix it, because I've done that too. So that is going to be the end of this good talk, bad talk section. I just hope that, well, actually, it's not that I just hope, I simply have hope. I always have hope that uh, it gives a little bit of something to ponder, to think about, and perhaps to contemplate within your own actions or the actions of people you see around you and maybe think a little bit about what it is that we perpetuate in the world. It's very easy to pass on the negative. So think about it. Think about the situation in which you're doing it um, and the impact that it can have. (laughs) but I'm not saying stop doing it cause let's get real. Um, that's just a part of fucking life. So let us take our next little break and who knows, we may discover that there is an additional section, um, segment before the show closes or not. I know it's a mystery to me too. Let's go have fun and discover what, discover the treasures that lie waiting for you do you know how hard it is to do a promo for your own show and then listen to it on other shows i kind of sink it down into my car the seat of my car just a little bit and go oh my god that was me i really should record a a promo anyhow that is neither here nor there and uh, once again if you have found my brain please send me some gps coordinates send me a little you know beeping tag to go here's your brain this is your brain on Mes- uh, mescal sure yeah that works too uh, <laughs> get away from the microphone back away from the microphone take the break before the insanity takes over episode 32 of pennies in the well is brought to you by the room, Ru- huh, the tarot card the ace of spheres which is essentially the ace of wands in this deck, and the Rune stone. Oh, uh, Uru, or Uru, Uru's, um, yeah, the U lettered one. Hi, this is Kathleen, the
1: hostess of Borealis Meditation, Geology for Pagans. Geology is the study of the Earth, so what better subject for pagans? Join me to learn about minerals, rocks, and other interesting facts and theories about the Earth. I can be found at Podbean, on iTunes, and Podcast Alley. Or just come on over to the blog at borealismeditation.blogspot.com.
0: Ah, uh, it was a close call. I was sitting here going, hmm... I really don't know that I have anything else to say today. What could I possibly talk about? And then I realized there is actually one other topic, uh, and it doesn't really have a segment category, so I'm just going to toss it out there because it was something that came up a couple of days ago um, with my mate Holly. Well, actually, it came up with me, and then I was just sharing it with her, and then I thought I might share it with the rest of you. It is about tattoos, more specifically, well, magical tattoos, except for the fact that in certain ways all tattoos are magical. You do not have to get your tattoo done by a 18th degree magician Wiccan of, you know, fascinating descent. No, um... When, <laughs> cause I have several tattoos, uh, in case that wasn't known, I, when, the most recent one, of course, being the, uh, witch that I got in Salem when, uh, all the Canadians decided to go get tattooed together, uh, with witches, go figure that one. So my back is tattooed. I have a couple on my ankle behind my right ear on my wrist. For the most part, they're very small, uh, except for my back tattoo, which is my entire back. And you wouldn't actually notice most of them depending on what I'm wearing wouldn't really notice them at all, except maybe the wrist ones. The interesting thing that I had realized was my theory has always been, or my practice, my practice and my theory for tattooing was that it had better damn well be something that is meaningful to me, not just to look pretty or look cool or, you know, something that I thought would be fun, had to be something that meant, uh, had true intrinsic meaning to me personally, enough so that even if that thing, that idea, that concept, that being, that whatever, even if it ceased to be important in my world, that the fact that it had been important would always have meaning for me. So in other words, you know, my very first uh, tattoo was a pinnacle right over my solar plexus. And I knew that even if I should decide to not be a witch one day, which is a topic for another day of the fact of how (laughs) spirituality is a a constant choice um, type situation. But excluding that conversation for the moment, um, that even if I switched, if I ceased to be a witch, that it was still a very It still marked something that was intrinsically important to me at that time, something that had huge meaning, and I would always look back on it with that importance uh, present in it. So, that has always been behind every tattoo that I've had done, and I'm just trying to make a note here, and apparently I cannot do two things at once, because once again, my brain is a wall. If you have seen um, my brain, please call 1-800-LOCATE-SATURN'S-BRAIN and uh, one of our operators will get back to you as soon as possible with the reward of three pennies and flatulence. That's right, three pennies and flatulence will be your reward for finding Saturn's brain. So I'm making a note about how choices on the magical career path so that I actually remember to talk about that on another day. So tattoos, coming back to tattoos. They've always been something that has had deep meaning for me, and what I realized the other day is, because of that, and because, well, let's face it, um, my life, so far as I'm concerned, everything in it, except the possibility of work, which lacks a certain je ne sais quoi when it comes to magic, and it certainly can be empowering, it certainly has impact on me, but it isn't necessarily um, magical. Anyway. All of my tattoos have connections to things that are very important to me, very spiritual to me, Um, again, not necessarily direct spirituality, though obviously the witch was pretty close to one, but they have deep meaning in my world. And what I realized was that that meaning is that the tattoos link to more than just the meaning. They link to the idea, they link to the concept, they are essentially, uh, when used, when you know what you're doing, you can use them as an access point to uh, the archetypal energy that they speak to. I can't really say it any better than that. Uh, that, that, that is it. That is the sum total of my point is that uh, tattoos, once they are on your body, are can be used as magical magical conduits to specific energies in the world and around you and inside and without you. I'm not going to tell you how to do that because um, if you don't know, then you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. But it is something to keep in mind if you're thinking of getting tattooed of, you know, what is it that you want to be able to access potentially on a more magical level. And no, once again, you do not have to get tattooed by a magical person. You do not even have to be in a truly magical mindset when you're getting the tattoo done in order for that to work, um, can help, I think, but for the most part, for me, a lot of say my back tattoo involved the concentration of, you know, don't move don't scream. Don't cry. Uh, cause the pain was pretty atrocious in certain sections. I'm a wimp, and I admit it, and I still got my full back tattooed, and that just goes to show that I am truly and utterly insane. So when you're thinking about getting a tattoo, if you are, um, that is another aspect to it, and if you want to get intrigued by potential magical workings of a different nature, there you go. Tattoos can be used as uh, gateways to the magic that they describe and that my dears my darlings my beloveds my friends my fellow walkers of the wacky path that is life the end of the show and because it's only 45 minutes long I'm going to treat you to an extra long song on the way out and quite honestly I was going to play it for you anyways because I just happen to love it and it is called um Valkyrie Daughter, also by S.J. Tucker, because, you know, she did the cover for the Etched Offerings book from Misanthrope Press, and I'm going to continue that little theme today. So I hope you enjoy the music. I hope that you have enjoyed today's Insanity. Once again, if you find my brain, please email me at penniesinthewell@gmail.com, at or, you know, send me some ether waves and I will pick them up out of the air and, uh, suck the marrow from them and figure out where my brain went and in order to get into a contest for your own copy of Etched Offerings at least the very first way that you can do so is by going and leaving a review and or uh giving a grade I suppose it is to pennies in the well on iTunes specifically because well there's nothing there be the first pop the cherry Oh my God, who would be the one to pop the cherry? One of you people will actually get to pop my iTunes comment cherry (gasps) or not because perhaps no one will actually do it hmm this intrigues me so that will get you entered into the draw for the book uh, again it'll be a couple of months probably before I actually do the draw one because I'm getting a podcast about once a month at the moment I am not committing myself to that I'm merely commenting on the current actual time frame and uh, two, I like to give a lot of time because if you're like me listening to podcasts happens not on the oh my god Yes, I, I realize that some of you are not listening to this within, you know, hours of it being released into the wild, and it may actually be months before you listen to it, and I know for me when I hear contests, um, it can be really kind of annoying when they've already, you know, come up and passed me by, and somebody has won, and I'm just sitting there going, "Wow, fuck, missed that, oh well. So I, I like to give my contest times a, a fair bit longer. And that will follow up in the next episode. So I hope that you are having a lovely morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time of day happens to fill your soul with bliss and may the blessings of the deep and wild be with you. Blessed be.
1: are forever at war But our gates are not barred as you may have been told To the women and children worth fighting for Time was that a soldier named for Loki had daughters of plenty He reared them up fierce in his pride had just reached her flowering time when the Norns cut her thread and she died. Well, he wouldn't take no for an answer, No grief for the rest of his days. He set off for the wild with his tears still a stream, resolved to petition the Valkyrie. For the sake of his child, he would enter this plea, retrieve her and teach her your ways So he searched and he strove many seasons till the gray had come into his beard, returned home to the scorn of his colleagues and friends. His wife rejoiced quietly for his folly's end. And asked rigor for strength That his spirit would mend That he'd not prove as mad as she feared him Well, a soldier is nothing if not full of pride No warrior if not hard and bold So he set off again well before winter's end To the water himself in the snowdrifts he fell and succumbed to the night and the cold. Deep in the sleep of exhaustion, the soldier did fall and he dreamed. He found himself walking the land of Niflheim, where things are his courage how fast he continued to the hall where the mistress of that realm did dwell there sat lady hell in her fearsome estate and he felt his great heart as it skipped a few beats just the same he bowed all the way down to her feet and she grudgingly gave him I know why you've come here, young soldier, she said, but you may state your case if you please. The roads to this realm do not tolerate men, unless they have come to me at their life's end. But you've conquered your fears, and so it appears that your dreams led you here. to you, oh my underworld queen, but I come for the sake of my child, I do not beg her back, thus insulting your lands, but my girl deserves better at much different hands, my daughter should ride with a valkyrie band, I'll do all that I can, just to have this for fair. Strangers to bargains Traditions with teeth Have their time and their place But hell is the child Of the breaker of rules And she had this father's measure Written plainly on his face For the sake of your child You will strike me a deal I will speak with a fierce full condition is this to be sealed with your blood no matter your valour your warrior's fate your place in Valhalla is forfeit this night you'll return in the end back to me while the soldier's eyes clouded but he cut his own palm and signed all his honour away Her rank would hold sway Go now young man For your body is cold Your time in my realm Draws too near Return home to your wife And your children who live Surround them with all Of the love you can give For they think they have lost you Get you home and banish their fears The soldier woke, struggled back fully to life And made his way slowly back home Treacherous toil of a way that it was A goddess had sent him back where he belonged And no avalanche could slow him down Keeps a family strong It's the self who is last to forgive He vowed in that moment Ne'er again to forget The worth of his loved ones who live This time he was in upon his return By the man with great shouts And his wife with a tearful smile the village turned out for a great merry feast And never again did his warrior colleagues Serve up their scorn Though they left him in peace For his journey was writ in his eyes Though he held in his heart now fine tavern tale The soldier did not tell a song some truths are too fine to mix in with the ale, and he held this one close while so many others were told. With no way of knowing his lost daughter's fate, he set all his worries to fade and threw all his heart into raising the rest. Thus a fine generation was made Well the years took their toll And he took up his cane His family still lit his world But he once asked a favor of a wandering bard To write a fine song for his lost little girl The harvest was just at its start As he worked side by side With his nephews and sons He lost an old war With his heart Never to walk in Valhalla He thought To find himself deep in their But a wonder occurred As he opened his eyes There was his daughter come down from the skies She rode astride with her Valkyrie sisters And with joy far too great for the dead who arise He took her small hand as if for the first time And she told him, "Oh, Father Goddesses oft change them As her sons are forever at war But her gates are not closed As you've heard in this tale As was told to abide by a soldier To the Valkyrie daughters worth fighting for